The tree of knowledge was the tree of reason. That's why the taste of it drove us from Eden. That fruit was meant to be dried and milled to a fine powder, for use a pinch at a time, a condiment. God had promptly planned to tell us later about this new pleasure. We stuffed our mouths full of it, gorged on but and if and how and again, but knowing no better. It's toxic in large quantities, fumes swirled in our heads and around us to form a dense cloud that hardened to steel, a wall between us and God who was paradise. Not that God is unreasonable, but reason in such excess was tyranny and locked us into its own limits, a polished cell, reflecting our own faces. God lives on the other side of that mirror but through the slit where the barrier doesn't quite touch ground, manages still to squeeze in as filtered light, splinters of fire, a strain of music heard, then lost, then heard again. And three, two, one. Welcome to Couch Confessions. I'm Jonathan. I'm David. And I'm Zach. And that poem that you heard was uh, titled Contraband by Denise Levertov. And it's from her collection of poetry uh, entitled Evening Train. Uh, That's a a poem that I have always really enjoyed. And uh, it's always been a thorn in my side because I, I only have it printed out. And I could never remember who wrote it <laughs> or the name of it, but I could always remember certain lines from it, and then I could never, I could never look it up. Like uh, David can attest to this. We talked about it last week. I explained the poem to him, and and their Google can't find it. Google has no idea unless you give the name of the the author and the and the actual poem. Um, so I'm glad I, I was able to find it again. Yeah, that was a frustrating chase you had us on uh, there, Jonathan. Uh, but I'm glad you I'm glad you were able to locate it. I had never read it before, so I appreciate you bringing that in my life. And uh, so yeah, interesting little, little poem. It's uh, it has a an interesting take on this idea of uh, the knowledge of good and evil, right? That fruit, that forbidden fruit that kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden. And it's something obviously it's it's merely speculation. But I, I always kind of fancy that idea that that maybe maybe that fruit was actually meant to be eaten at some point, but it just wasn't meant to be taken by Adam and Eve of their own volition. That it was meant to be uh, dried and milled down into a fine powder that was used a pinch at a time as a condiment, something that God had planned to give Adam and Eve once they were ready for it. I I, I don't know. I just. I like that idea because uh, one of the questions that, that you hear a lot when it comes to uh, the creation story is why did God put that tree in the garden in the first place? Uh, or better yet, what, what is, is knowledge of good and evil a bad thing? I mean, how can that be wrong to know good and evil? And, uh, and so I, I don't know. I think this, this poem kind of helps me when wrestling with those ideas. 
Yeah, I I think it was, uh, I think the poem takes a different stance than what I ever thought of. I um, always thought that it should have been made into a cobbler, personally. <laughs> um, being from the South, that uh, that's the true way to eat fruit. And uh, <clears throat> if, they, if you're not doing it right uh, that way, then it's not right at all. <laughs> but uh, I've, I've also questioned, I think everybody who has uh, read that story, Genesis 1, 2, 3, you know, all right there, 4, uh, wondered why in the world was that tree even placed there in the garden for, for real. Read a lot of different thoughts on it. I haven't really been satisfied by any of them. And, uh, but top, by the time I die, I probably got a lot more pressing matters uh, to talk to God about. <laughs> right. <laughs> The, the tree of uh, good and evil, not of good and evil, but yeah, today we get to uh, discuss the big topics, so right, like the knowledge of good and evil, like good and evil itself, mm-hmm. and uh, and what it means for us. So yeah, I think it's uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's kind of important to start at the top, right? Uh, start at the beginning there. Mm-hmm. So you know, thinking about maybe that the. The idea of good, God being good, the Bible says God is good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, and then evil being outside of who God is. Yeah, God does not do evil things. He does not partake uh, with evil. <coughs> Trying to understand how he can um, even place the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden and still be separated from evil. Uh, that That's kind of a, something that was... That I've talked to a couple of different people about over the years. Um, and I'm just hoping y'all can help me out. <laughs> I try to try to get through this. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. So so kind of you know backing up just a little bit. You know, we're talking about conflict. This whole series has been about that, and and so we've got to to look at what is the what's the source or, or maybe what's the largest conflict? What's the conflict that encapsulates all conflict, uh, if you will? And, and that really is good and evil. And, and for us, you know, we, we see God as, as the source of good. And, uh, and so, yeah, how do, we, how do we wrestle with, with him putting that in there? And that's, that's why I think I, I like this idea that that uh, uh, Levertov gives <clears throat> is that knowing good from evil, having that knowledge of it isn't isn't wrong, um, and and so it's not like God ordained evil per se, or that he he created it somehow. I like your very simple definition. I'm sitting here trying to flip through my my Bible dictionary to to find you know, <laughs> good definitions for good and evil. But I, I like that very simple definition. You know, God is good. So who he is by his very nature is good. Uh, therefore, evil is everything outside of, of that. Everything uh, that does not align with, with him, his character, his will. And I think that's a, uh, a very um, succinct way to put it. And so... I don't think him putting the the that tree there is necessarily evil or that he ordained evil, but he gave because uh, uh, the knowledge of it's not wrong. God has the knowledge of good and evil. Um, yeah. And so by him putting that tree there, it's not 
him ordaining evil or creating it, but rather giving humans the choice um, whether or not they were going to follow him. Um, there's a, there's a non- number of kind of uh, explanations for that is, you know, um, without choice, love isn't really love. If, if, if you can't choose to do something else, then, then you're not really, you're not really loving, you know, you're just a robot following programming. And so by giving mankind that option to disobey, uh, he gives them free will, which, which isn't evil. Um, at least that's, that's kind of how I've, how I've settled in my mind, all those things. I know those, those answers aren't always satisfying to everybody. Yeah, and I, I've always just wondered, um, <clears throat> you know, from God's perspective, why he couldn't have gone about it a different way. But but it did happen this way, right? The the tree of knowledge and good and evil was placed in the garden, and it wasn't wrong. Uh, to place something somewhere is not necessarily wrong. Uh, the disobedience by Adam and Eve was the problem, um, <clears throat> you know, strictly speaking, and... Uh, and it brought, but but not not entirely bad either though, right? <clears throat> because with the knowledge of evil <clears throat> came the the knowledge of good mm-hmm. at the same time. That's what mm-hmm. the whole tree was about. So it allowed humankind to have the dichotomy between good and evil, being able to choose now, really choose at that time. To, to choose good things and bad things and know the difference. But prior to, I guess, understanding uh, the garden, prior to, they were incapable, it seems, of sinning because they did not know sin. They did not know how to sin, maybe. I'm not exactly 100% positive. It's very confusing because the very first sin was actually them eating from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. So they sinned without knowing what evil really was, technically. So, so I'm gonna. I was gonna say. So that that's only if we assume sin hadn't entered the world already. Yeah, that's we're, true. We're, that's assuming that the great opposition, Satan, wasn't already somehow at play or at large. Yeah, that, and again, that's this a- is. This is where we're getting into like speculation, so I want to be uh, cautious about that. But I, I think if we talk about, you know, sin didn't enter the world until Adam and Eve disobeyed God, I don't know if that's entirely true. Because, you know, whether, like, depending on how you interpret the whole encounter with the serpent, how you encounter um, the whole idea of, you know, the, the fallen angel Lucifer, I, I, I think there's a, a lot of different speculation at play there mm-hmm. so I, I think i am much more comfortable with saying the fall of man not necessarily where sin entered the world does that make sense yeah no, that's good that's good yeah <clears throat> yeah if uh it flies into the face of everything that i've ever heard before but yeah i'm good with that <laughs> <laughs> <I don't care. laughs> this this is an argument that uh and an argument in in the in the purest of sense uh, well, not completely, because there are some times that I get a little bit peeved. Um, but <laughs> Thomas and I have have gone round and round. Oh, don't get me started on Thomas. A lot. Um, there, there's a lot to be said on where where was the sin. 
Uh, was it them eating the fruit? Uh, was it uh, them um, desiring to disobey God? Uh, was it them actually obey, disobeying God? Where, where did the sin start? Was it, was it the desire that took place prior to the action, or is it somehow both? And um, it's a very messy thing uh, to, to sort out. I, I tend to fall on the desire aspect of things. And, and some would say, well, then that means they already had sin in their heart. They were already sinning before they ate and, and that kind of a thing. I, I look at it similar to um, Augustine would say that um, sin is, uh, is a right desire in the wrong place. Or, or something that I'm butchering it. I'm butchering his quote. This is Some the form sentiment. of perversion. Yeah, it's a perversion. So it's a good thing at the wrong time or in the wrong way. Um, the knowledge of good and evil was a good thing. That I think was a good thing. I, I, I believe that was a good thing. But it was not in the manner it was meant to be. They, they disobeyed by trying to get it themselves. By trying to take that outside of God's ordained plan uh, for them. Now, we don't know his ordained plan for them in that sense. And we don't know if he ever intended them to have that fruit. But we know that he, at least in that moment, they weren't supposed to just take it and eat of it. So that's where I tend to fall. It was this desire. I, I believe they already had free will from the start. They just didn't have the opportunity, per se. And then they were led astray to try and take that power themselves, try to take that authority um, in, in trying to be God. Um, and so that that's where I fall on that, that it was the desire that preceded the action. But I know that leads to a lot of uh, complications <laughs> as well. So, yeah. When doesn't it? But I'll, I want to go back to what Zach said. Uh, so there was a conflict before God and man, Right? There's uh, at least a perceived conflict before God and man. God and, uh, you know, whatever the ultimate idea of evil is. And I, I think scripturally that is the Satan. Right? And, uh, and guys, it's been a long time since I've read anything about, you know, what, what biblically is Satan and, and what he isn't or, or anything well, like We did that, have right? a whole podcast episode on it. Uh, it's, been, it's been a minute. But we did we did do a, an episode on uh, angels and demons, and on Hasatan. Uh, it's it's been a while, uh, but uh, there's a little plug. Go back and, and find that that episode, uh, dear listeners. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and find that episode because I don't think I actually listened to that one myself. But um, so, <laughs> well, you weren't in that no, one. I'm, you weren't in that one. I know that. Yeah, that's right. So I'm no good on this topic whatsoever. But. Thinking back to uh, C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, he opens up with this idea of like, um, so just just the idea of good and evil. Just take God out of it. Take Satan out of it. Good precedes evil. All right, evil. Uh, and then, so you, you have this ultimate good. And how's evil, this idea of evil, come about? Is it is it a dualism? So is it are they both as big and powerful as each other? Or does one stem from the other? And I think what he ends up coming to, uh, because I read the book, 
um, a long, long time ago was that one stems from the other. You can't have two equally powerful forces out there. Mm. Uh, one has to be subordinate, and evil, biblical evil, seems to come directly from good. It does seem extremely subordinate to God. And so Satan being the fallen angel, Lucifer potentially, right, mm -hmm. um, throughout. And so Lucifer was, a, was an angel that was made by God. Uh, we have to assume for God's pleasure and will, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then somehow that went horribly wrong. I think it was the book, please correct me off, it was not, I think it's the book of Enoch that actually... Talks yeah. most about it. So, so the book of Daniel uh, is often seen to allude to that story. However, the the visions that Daniel have are not concretely talking about that. Although most of our modern understanding comes from the visions that happen in Daniel, although they're not necessarily talking about that. But the book of Enoch does talk uh, uh, at greater lengths of, of this, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Because it was a long time since I've read the book of Enoch. Zach, do you, did you read the book of Enoch at all? Uh, yes, I have read the Apocrypha a couple different times, yes. Okay. So you might be able to speak more about it, but I think that's where uh, the, the fall of Lucifer was actually talked about. And what was it, like a third of all the angels in heaven? Yeah, the yeah, the general um, understanding, and again, this is just super basic. There's a lot more that you could spend on reading in on this. Um, and again, first off, a lot of this is speculation because this is not something that is very well documented. There's no empirical evidence of this. Just like, again, keep all those kind of warning flares and like descriptions at, at, at present for this. But the, the general idea goes that Lucifer was uh, the most beautiful angel. Uh, that uh, there's three different archangels. There was the the head of the messengers, the head of the uh, warriors, Gabriel, Michael, and then the head of the worshipers, the seraphim, which was Lucifer. And so those three archangels were in charge of each different like kind of grouping of angels. Lucifer being the most beautiful of the bunch, their whole sect was, their whole purpose was to glorify and worship God. And somehow, some way, Lucifer starts becoming prideful because he's the most beautiful that he starts saying, why are, why isn't everyone worshiping me and my glory? And that's where the corruption starts to take place. And then he, all of his followers with him get cast out of heaven. And that is what creates demons versus the angels. Okay. So that's roughly, that's roughly what is kind of like attributed to the division, the schism, if you will. And, um, Again, there's a lot of different things when we're talking about, okay, like why was, um, you know, why was Lucifer representing of a serpent in the garden? Um, there's even a lot of talk that the, the, the lines between spiritual and physical were not as um, uh, divided as they are today, that maybe at one point they were more blurred. Mm -hmm. And that's why Adam and Eve aren't freaking out that a snake is talking to them because interacting with spiritual beings was much more like fluid than it is now if it, if you if that makes sense so there's a lot of different thoughts and speculations on how all that worked um some people say that eden wasn't necessarily like physically on earth in the same way that we think about like columbia south carolina for example it would be 
uh, like a halfway point where the spiritual realm and physical realm intertwine. Like there's a, there's a lot of strange different explanations as to how that works. So um, we don't know. Again, all of this is just something we can't prove. Um, but again, it's, it's how we make sense of things we don't necessarily know. Yeah, I mean, eating some wild fruit out there, uh, you know, may have given them some, some, you know, you know what I'm saying. Well, they ate the fruit after they talked to the snake. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's right. That's how the story goes. Daggummit. Well, I don't know what fruit they ate before they ate that fruit, but you can't assume this is the only fruit they've had, right? <laughs> okay, maybe it is. Well, I don't Z- know. Zach, I, I, like, yeah. I like that interpretation that uh, maybe the spiritual and the physical were a little bit more blurred, but that does throw a kink into my thought <laughs> that uh, that at some point humans were able to speak to animals and that was just totally normal. <laughs> That's how I've well, always understood it. <laughs> well, but, here, but here's the thing, just to go with that tangent with you, if at one point humans were much more able to interact with spiritual realm, spiritual being, spiritual understanding, why do you think there's so many conspiracies theories and different forms of mysticism that are completely argued against in scripture they say don't pursue the sacred words don't pursue Mm. sorcery don't pursue the soothsaying and the conversion with the dead why because there's probably something there that we're not ready for or not able to withstand yeah yeah who's to say we weren't but like i i think uh our our mutual philosophy professor that each of us had used to always say that man was perfect, but now we're broken. Yeah. 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 Well, as far as talking to animals is concerned, I talk to my cat every day and she still doesn't listen. So <laughs> I think there's a communication issue going on <laughs> in the animal kingdom currently right now with what we're trying to get done. Well, let me um, ask you, let me ask you, David, do you use catnip? Yeah. I use meow mix. Almost as good but just cheaper so not nearly as good probably but i'm <laughs> so getting know. what you pay for yeah <laughs> i'm getting what i pay for uh but but going back to it like okay so that's a that's a great way thanks for succinctly doing that oh by the way zach we just need to like have uh jonathan we need a visual for our podcast and it needs to be a disclaimer statement that that just goes underneath zach like <laughs> you need like do three wobbly heads on the podcast from now on, and they have like a disclaimer tag underneath Zach's, because there's always a disclaimer there. I'm yeah. telling you, Zach, Zach is Zach is very very cautious about uh, about making sure he doesn't lead people astray, and I, I appreciate that about him. But that's not heretical enough to be a part of this podcast. If we're borderline heretical, there, David. Yeah, well, he's the borderline. We're the heretical. <laughs> And there's there a difference go. between saying that I believe heretical beliefs and I'm teaching heretical beliefs. <laughs> okay, yeah. well that's true. There, there are some pretty, pretty um, uh, heinous warnings against false teachers in Scripture. So, that's um, true. but I have not in any way positioned myself as a teacher. <laughs> and let me make that very clear: that I am not trying to teach anybody on this podcast. Um, but, but Lucifer, so if he fell for being the prettiest, which there are so many jokes that could be associated with this, by the way. Um, but let's just assume that he fell, took a third of them with him, right? All these angels with him. 
And now they make up the, uh, what I think biblically is called the principalities of evil, right? I mean, that's principalities and powers of evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they make that up. It just seems really strange. And I, maybe that's more hair. It just seems very strange that, that, that some fallen angels are able to create the, the absolute havoc that they've wreaked on this earth. You know, set up against the uh, juxtaposition to God and his power. Yeah, well, I I want to um, uh, touch on, on just a couple of things with that. So uh, towards the beginning, you had talked about how evil was subservient to, to good and, and uh, how, it, you know, I, I think uh, we're on, of the standpoint that evil um, is a perversion of good, or, or that that good was was it, and then evil is something that it's not a duality; they're not equal opposites. And um, I mean, it, one of the one of the analogies that I've heard is is cold doesn't really exist; it's just the absence of heat. Or uh, darkness doesn't exist; it's just the absence of of light. And so, in the same way, um, evil isn't a thing in and of itself, but rather it's the the absence of good. Um, and so I think that, that is, is one way of understanding that, but then on, um, on these principalities creating havoc, I think that's where it starts to become more personal, right? So we have this, um, this greater conflict that, that we see this behind the scenes kind of conflict, but you have, have these larger scale conflicts, uh, of just good and evil, um, as just kind of uh, big big groups, right? So you got good, which is God and, and the angels and, and and the saints and and all that, uh, and then you've got evil, which is uh, Lucifer, Hasatan, and you know the the great serpent, you know the dragon, uh, and all the demons, all that whole thing. Um, and so you got you know these big forces, but then you have the the individual, um, and within each individual is that good and evil conflict. And, uh, the reason it wrecks so much havoc is because in that creation story, we're set to govern, to master the world, to be, to be over it. And since we in our, of ourselves are constantly warring, uh, Internally and externally, good versus evil, uh, that's going to have some ramifications on the world that that we're supposed to govern. If if the ruler is divided against himself, then everything his whole kingdom is divided against himself. And so I think that it's easy to to blame, you know, oh the demons. That's why we've got all this this junk going around the world. Well, okay, they're they're definitely play a part in it for sure. Um, but, uh, I think more importantly, we, we are the, the reason behind a lot of it. Yeah. And, uh, and so like thinking about it, we, we've talked about conflict as being, uh, not meeting expectations, not meeting needs. Right. Mm-hmm. And so before we move on from the larger scale, uh, of God and, and evil, um, on that larger scale, it, it seems to be that there was a, the story that Zach gave to us about Lucifer kind of goes at the very heart of the matter of uh, not meeting needs, right? 
So Lucifer felt like his expectations uh, were not being met, that he wasn't getting what he deserved, essentially, um, for being, quote, the prettiest. I'm also, I've got to say, maybe the most buff out of all of them. That's what I'm going <laughs> no, for. No, that's Michael. Oh, God. Okay, so. No, he just had the most so, eyes. The most eyes and oh, wings. That's right. It's all about the eyes and wings. That's what it was. All right. Well, David, you're you're also tiptoeing into something totally different, which is iconography. Like that's a whole nother study in and of itself. Oh. Yeah. So, what, I can't what, do that. What do? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Jeff. No, no, go no. ahead. Uh, I was no, gonna no, say. I, I want to know what you're asking because I think we're about to say the same thing. I was gonna say what what do angels consider pretty? <laughs> like we have that's our. Pretty. We have our our own ideas, and that changes culture by culture, generation by generation. But we have our beauty standards. But but what would an angel consider consider the most beautiful? Yeah, what's the most angelic beauty? Yeah, I don't want to get into that. But whatever it may have been, uh, and no matter how disturbing it was, uh, he he felt like he was not getting the praise that he deserved, and pride, pride shows up as the very first sin. Then, right? Um, within that, yeah, yeah, within that framework, that is that's that's pride, vainglory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was uh, I think I think uh, I was on that podcast though, yeah. uh, Jonathan, <laughs> and I think that's where <laughs> I think that's where we talked about pride being kind of like the systemic root of uh, of. All the the what were they called, man? The uh, cardinal sins, Vices. seven deadly, seven deadly sins. We've got a lot of different names for these things. <laughs> I think mine was wrong. Um, so we've got, <laughs> but I created a new one, uh, cardinal sins instead of cardinal virtues. Yeah. So we're just gonna do it with cardinal sins because cardinals can sin, and those are their sins. <laughs> um, so pride, being the worst of all of them, or at least the first of of the of them all, uh, was was Lucifer's problem, and uh, and so he led uh, all these other angels down with them. Now that just seems like a tragedy, or either they wanted to. I'm not certain, but um, the first one had the first end had a lot of ramifications. It looks like because some expectations weren't being met, and I think this goes back to showing though the one expectation or one entities needs that need to be met it appears to be in this grand overarching storyline is gods <laughs> i mean yeah. i think that's what it is i think that's what it appears like to me guys yeah <laughs> tell me if i'm wrong <laughs> well if we if we go back to your definition of good and evil right like good is is god god is good good is god and so um Whatever doesn't meet his his expectations, whatever doesn't meet his his qualifications, is not is not good. It's it's evil. It, it falls short. Um, and so I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, that's that's the that's the big need that needs to be met. That not that he has needs like we have needs, but uh, that's right. Yeah, but yeah, that would be real heresy if right. I said that. Right there, there, yeah. Yeah, um, there are plenty of verses that go against that. Um, but he desires, he has desires from us. You know, he desires our worship. He desires uh, our, 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 our uh, a 
affection. He desires that from us. He has that expectation because he, he's the only one worthy of that expectation. And, uh, and if we fail, fail to meet that, you know, that all that is, is falling short. It's, it's not good. It's not ultimately good. Yeah. So maybe in this whole cosmic grand scope, then, uh, the highest expectation or need that needs to be met, uh, is, is good. Whatever goodness is and whatever, whatever context is in. And uh, maybe that can maybe that would be the the yardstick that we use right uh, for for all other conflicts potentially is uh... well like as you're talking David I'm thinking about like okay what is it that every Christian wants to do every Christian wants to become more like Christ right who's yeah. perfect but we also want to continue in our sanctification which means that if we're the ultimate high pursuit that we're trying to do is goodness, you know, it's not just trying to be a good person. It's mm -hmm. the way I think is good because thoughts are things. The way that I feel is good. Whether or not I like, I'm in pain or suffering. Like Paul talks about, like, I'm joyful in every situation. I've been rich. I've been poor. I've been sick. I've been healthy, but in all things, God is good. And I think that's something that I'm wondering as you're talking about this. Yeah, well, it's kind of like a like a what is the, the the Plutonic ideal? There is a there is a thing that is outside of us. There is a there is a an mm -hmm. ideal of what goodness mm -hmm. is, and we're we're striving to get that to attain that whatever that is. Yeah, I, I think one thing that I think a lot of people, I don't. I don't know, maybe it's just the circles that I've been a part of, but like uh, a lot of Christians really hate on um, like Gnostics and really hate on the, um, the, the, uh, the Stoic idealism. Mm. And I think that that's a miss because there's actually a lot of similarities as far as the ideals, mm. right? Now, we would argue that the source and reason why we pursue these ideals is because they come from the ultimate source, right. which is that's where like the big differential is between the Stoics and the Christians is like the Stoics just say it is to be good. So therefore at your highest, you are good. Mm -hmm. But we would say like, well, we are, we are fallen, but God is good. And as we try to become like Christ who has interceded on our behalf, that is good. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's a lot of similarities to our, our, our ideological cousins of the Stoics during the early Christian church. Um, that we're talking about this here. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and really all, all it is, is that we have a source for it. We, we have mm -hmm. a, we have a reason behind that. Whereas they wouldn't, they would just say it is like, you, yeah, they just say that there is, there is. It's like, okay, well we, we know why it is. We know the, the one. Who and, and we have it. support. Yeah. Because the Stoics say, I have to do it on my own. I have mm -hmm. to think on my own to get to this part, but that's not true for us because we have the Holy spirit within us. Right. To assist right. and help and, and cultivate that, right, and and they don't they don't have a reason why why, like we know why we we can't we know why why we don't you know we don't because yeah we're fallen we we have a sin nature, and uh, and so there is a little bit of grace I mean there's a whole lot of grace in that you know whereas if if I don't have that explanation well then I'm just failing. I'm just failing to be the ideal. Um, but because I know 
the history of humanity because I know who I am as a person. Uh, I know that I'm I'm not going to reach that ideal as much as I strive for it. I'm not going to reach that ideal. Um, definitely not here on earth. You know, that's that's not going to be I, I have grace for when I don't get to that ideal. So it's a lot more hopeful uh, of a, of a worldview as opposed to just, well, you, you, you're just terrible at, at meeting this and I don't know why you can't do it. <laughs> before we, before we continue into this more kind of personal kind of a thing, um, I do want to, to bring up real quick, cause I, I don't know. I think, um, <laughs> you know, uh, David, you said that maybe that's the yardstick, you know, of, of conflict. Uh, if, if we, uh, if we meet God's expectation or needs, um, if, if we meet or, or, or not, you know, that, and, and in some ways we can say, okay, we'll podcast over. Um, <laughs> we, we, we got it. Uh, we got it in one uh, voice. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I think, um, before we continue down that thought, uh, maybe it'd be helpful to kind of examine the, some other, other philosophies, other mythos, as far as uh, a good versus evil goes, because the whole you know this this whole time we've been discussing uh, our understanding of good and evil, but I think it would be it'd be interesting to kind of see how these ideas manifest in other other uh, other worldviews and uh, how they how they're seen. And we will pick back up on that next week as we conclude not only our discussion on the ultimate conflict of good versus evil, but on our season on conflict in general. Uh, We, of course, have a few more odds and ends planned for you in the coming weeks, as well as a potential new series coming in the new year. So be sure to follow us on Facebook, at BL Heretics, to get all the news and updates on that. We're still um, trying to figure out what our our next topic will be, for the, the next season of Couch Confessions, we actually have a, a poll going on on Spotify. There's a few options there, but uh, feel free just to message us on Facebook or Instagram and let us know what your thoughts are. What would you like to hear us discuss in the next year? Well, I think that's all we've got for you today. Um, so why don't you go ahead and enjoy the jams and we'll see you next week. Bye.